mind. And I cannot be overcome by depression because you have gifted me with your peace that passes all understanding and you won't take it back. I am an overcomer because you overcame and I cannot be stopped and I won't be stopped. I love you, Lord, because you're a good Good father. Good father. Hallelujah. 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 You can be seated. Listen, let me tell you a commitment that I made some time ago uh, on confession. And I learned this from uh, Kenneth Copeland. There's a lot of a lot of people that are have followed his teaching over the years that they don't they don't they don't roll like that. But he, one thing he teaches is, he says this, he said, I will never say to you again in my life that I am sick. That's what he says. He says, I will never say to you again in my life that I am sick. Right? So what is he doing? Is he doubting that he's being attacked in his body? No. Is he doubting that, is he doubting that sickness exists? He's not doubting that. What he's saying is that I'm not going to add to it with my words. Right? I'm not going to continue. So what, he, so what does he do? He, instead of saying how sick he is, he says, thank God by your stripes I'm healed. Yep. So he picks different words. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sick. There is no sickness. I can never be sick. This, this, and this. By, by eliminating, drawing a line through those words, I'm sick. Because let me tell you what happens with these words, uh, I'm sick. Once you start with them, you roll with them. Oh, oh I'm so sick. I'm sick as a dog. Have you ever seen somebody do that? I'm sick as a dog. Oh, I'm so sick. <laughs> and they make the face and all that. I'm so sick. My God, I'm sick. I'm not going to be able to go. Yeah. This, that, you know what happened? When I adopted this thing, I said, you know what? Hey, I'm rolling with this. Not just off because of what he said, because of what he said in the Bible. That's right. Right? So I adopted it. And one of me tell you what happened. Now, there's one thing negative about it. Is it stop you from calling in the work sick? <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. If I if I can't tell them that, I can't say that. So I can't tell them that. So, but I can tell. Them, Look, I got this headache. I'm, dealing with, I'm being challenged with a headache. I'm tired. No, what I'm doing? I got to get some rest. That's what it went to me. I need rest. I had to, I had to stop going down that road, right? So, because and then, but what happened was, I don't I, I don't like have colds and stuff like that. And when the time when I had the heart attack, you talk about utter confusion. I was so confused. I'm like, this don't happen to me. Right? I'm confused. And so I set up in the hospital and I was upset. Now with God, I'm just confused. I'm like, where do we go from here? This isn't supposed to happen. And so the Lord had to minister to me. He said, listen, stop trying to understand this. The people, they're going to put the, the, the peace inside your artery. Let's, 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 I'm, a, I'm healing you like that this time. Let them pop that thing in the artery and let's go back to doing what it was doing. And, I, and from that point, I was good. I said, let's go. You know, I, I'm fixed. I'm rolling. Right? Amen. Sometimes God will come and he'll, he'll, you have the Benny Hinn type of moments to where it's just, you know, people shouting, screaming. Oh, you know, I couldn't walk. You know, and I'm jumping and running around the room. Sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes it's a progression of time. Yeah. With you believing God, you continue. Sometimes it don't it don't happen immediately. 
Jesus had to come back to the tree two times. Right? Didn't I tell you? And he came back and spoke it again. Right? So, understand something. And then uh, the Bible says, according to your faith. Now, let me tell you what you don't do. I don't know where I'm going this morning. This is where I'm going to go where I'm going. Let me tell you what you don't do. <clears throat> but this is the easiest trap that the devil can get you with right here. Is that you start measuring what you believe God will do for you based on something that happened to somebody else. Come on now. If this person had this sickness and died, then not, and why would God heal me if he didn't heal them? That's a legitimate question, right? But I have to give you another question. What about the testimonies of the people who said they had the same sickness that you and the other person have, but God healed them? What are you going to do with that story? What are you going to do with that? Not that they're lying. I'm talking about you can. they can be proven that they had it and they don't have it no more. Yes. So you can't just take the negative story and throw out the positive one. Yeah. You can't throw out the positive one. You have to deal with the positive story. Right? I, I preached a message. I think the first message when I first came was uh, about the honey and the bees. Right? And God showed me that. And it is the, 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 the basis of the message is this, is that everybody loves honey. Right? You love sweet. But you can't have honey without bees. Bees make honey. And so whoever goes to get the honey from the bees, what are they going to have to deal with? Yeah, and the bee, what are the bees going to do to them? They're going to get stung. You can't separate the two. Life, there's going to be good times and there's going to be tough times. Right? Everybody wants the honey, but you don't want to let sting as a part of life. Sometimes it's going to happen. And sometimes you're not going to understand it. I remember God showed me that, and he said, for a season, preach this everywhere you go. And I can't tell you how many people got set free. I was at a church in Cyprus, and there was a man whose wife had cancer. And he didn't know what to do. They have been married for, I don't know, 30, 40 years or so. And they were having a tough time. This man was, I don't know, maybe early 60s, big, tall, big man. And I was walking out of the service, and the man, he came over, and he was crying like a baby. Tears streaming down his face. And he hugged me, and he said, thank you. Thank you. He said, I didn't know how to deal with this. He said, but the Lord answered me today. He said, thank you. I can't tell you people at funerals. Sherry's son's funeral. Got, I think Royce was 26, 27. 26, 27. And died, got cancer in, uh, one in his knee. Played basketball, got cancer in his knee. And, uh, it was gone, came back, got amputated, and got it again, and, and he wound up passing. And so, I mean, you tell you, devastating. Devastating. We praying for him, and, and believing God was gonna heal him. I was just the, at the hospital the day before, and he died the next day. So you're like, what happened? Why, what, why did this happen? Some things you're not going to understand, but does that, there's no, there's no place in the Bible where it ever tells me that when somebody is sick, and if you found it, you let me know where it is. There's no place in the Bible when somebody's sick and God says, just give up on them. Don't pray for them. The only instruction that we have towards somebody dealing with sickness is what? Pray for them that they might be healed. Amen. You have no other instruction. That's all you got. So some people, some people tell me, well, come to the hospital, and they, they start with this. Come to the hospital, such and such is about to die, or they are dying, they got this disease, whatever, and, uh, and come pray that, uh, that they, they just be at peace and pray for the family, we just let them die. I said, I'm not gonna do that. 
God, I can't find that in the Bible. Until they pass, I got to pray for them to be healed. Because there's too many people that have had stories that they said they wasn't going to make it. But all of a sudden, they, you know, functioning, and here I am. Right? So what if somebody would have went over there and said, you know, let's just go on and take them, let them relax and go on and die. <laughs> don't let them, don't let them fight no more. Let them slip on over to the suite by and by. <laughs> now that's done. Especially when you got people that, like I say, that have been healed. Folks say they ain't coming back. They ain't never coming back. Don't, just because something happened to somebody else don't mean it got to happen to you. Yeah. You, you hang, but I'm going to tell you why we don't want to do that. Let me tell you why we don't want to do that. Because it's an emotional investment. Yeah. I don't want to get my hopes up. Let's just deal with it now. What difference do it make if you deal with it now or you deal with it later? Yeah. You still got to deal with it. If they pass, you still got to deal with it. It don't make a difference when you deal with it now or you deal with it later. You just gonna right now, I'm just gonna give up. Well, it's not you, you're not even the one. Come on. They don't want to lay them in the hospital bed messed up. Then you talking about it. It's not about you. I need to deal with it, my emotions. No, nah, they, they, they got a little bit more invested in the situation than you do. <laughs> right? So it's a mindset of how we think. It's a mindset of how we think. There have been things that have happened in my life. I'm talking about narrow escapes of things that I thought was going to uh, destroy my life, destroy us, this, that, and the other. Man, and I tell you what, I, I wouldn't want to be in these situations, but I've seen God us wiggle and come out of it. Amen. And other people didn't come out of it because they say, oh, no, that's too much trouble. I'm not going to get myself in it. That's, that's why you're in the situation you're in. But me, I listen. I, after I read it, now after you read it, after you hear it, you're accountable. Right? When God makes you a promise, it's your responsibility now to build yourself up in that promise, meditate on that promise, and to walk according to that promise. It's not up to you to make it happen. That's God's part. It's up to you to trust and believe God. But I, Pastor, I just can't trust him. I can't trust and believe God like that. Come here. I just can't trust and believe God like that. Come on to the side over here. Exactly, like we're having a conversation. She tell me, I just can't trust and believe. She's telling me that. You know what I tell her? I said, the Bible says faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Amen. So you keep telling me how you can't trust another, and, I, and, I, and then I come back, I'm going to come back with this question right here. How much do you read your Bible? And you got two choices. Either you're going to lie to me or you're going to tell me the truth. But if you're telling me consistently how you can't trust and you can't believe God, there's only one reason because the scriptures say faith comes from a continual hearing. So your faith will grow. You're not special. You're not special. It's not that your faith won't grow if you read. If you read, your faith's going to grow. You ain't special, darling. Some people think they're special. It just don't work on me. <laughs> no. Didn't stick. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll work on you. And so I got to come back. Hey, are you reading? Are you in there? Now, granted, it can be tough when you first started because, thank you, fear, doubt, and unbelief is, is very... Yeah, you gonna take it with you? You know, this jury, you're ripping out my microphone. <laughs> Fear, doubt, and unbelief is real. Yeah. It's real and it's strong and it's a comfort zone. People are used to walking in fear, doubt, and unbelief. A lot of people, they, they, they want to stay. This is where I've been my whole life. Especially if you grew up in the house. We, listen, I, I, what you look at, your uh, uh, 
examples of people that, that raised you. If you look and you say, well, my grandparents, they never had nothing. My mom and them didn't have nothing. Such and such died, they were sick. This person, that they always sick. This is always going. So what that does, that helps you to be negative. Especially if they've been talking negative. They've been saying negative, this is that. And all this, that, help, that helps you, that shapes who you are. But you have to, you have to understand that, again, uh, uh, what's my man's name? They wrote a book about it, and, and who else? Somebody got rich off of that book. Jabez, the prayer of Jabez. Do you know the name Jabez means a sorry or sorrow maker? So his mama named him sorry. Now his friends didn't call him that. His mama named him that. But the brother got tired of being that. And he said, God, he reached out to God. He said, God, would you enlarge my territory? And the Bible said God answered his prayer and, and changed it from being sorry to being, being great. You don't listen, I don't care if your whole family went to the penitentiary. You don't have to go. Come on now. It don't make a difference. If everybody died or whatever this sickness, you don't have to be you. Right? Because you say, well, it's in my bloodline. I want, I want you to understand something God showed me this week. That, you, that there is something stronger than your bloodline. It's called the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you know that Jesus was a stepchild? Yep. Did you know that? In the earth. Joseph was his stepfather. God was his daddy. And he was born of spirit, not of blood. Now the only the earthly representation he had was his mama. So you got two guys. Said Jesus was the second man, Adam. Adam was the first guy. Two guys born with no physical dad, just the spirit of God blown into Adam. Spirit of God blown into Mary. Two guys come, right? So listen. In the way when they give Jesus his lineage, they use Joseph. But Jesus was a stepchild. So if you're a stepchild, you're in good company. <laughs> you're in a good place. So that didn't, listen, Jesus' relationship with his father was greater than the relationship he had through earthly lineage or his blood line. I'm going to tell you, well, the Bible don't say that. Listen, yes it does. They came to Jesus and he was out ministering, doing what he did. And they said, Jesus, your mama, your mama and your brother's outside. Expecting him to just drop the work of the Lord and run outside and say, oh, dear, Mary, mother of God. You know, no knock on that. You know, she's worthy to be respect, but she, she didn't ask the people to worship her. She didn't do that. It's not her fault. Right. But Jesus didn't go out there. Jesus said, who is my mother and who is my brothers but them that do the will of my father? My connection to my spiritual family in the end will be greater than to them of my blood family. That's right. If your blood relatives don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there ain't going to be no family reunion up in heaven amongst your blood folks. So we don't go by... What the way it's always been, because my family's always been like this. We always lived on that side of the tracks. We always been like this. It always been. No. You know what? The moment I said yes to Jesus, then I got reconnected with my heavenly father. Amen. Who holds my eternity in his hands. Yeah. So, so we don't, we don't let, let's, let's go to some scriptures real quick. 
Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Ephesians 6, 10. I guess I am kind of, this is kind of my, in my notes. It says this, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. All right, now, now look how he starts this thing off. He didn't come out and say, Dear brothers and sisters, I have a suggestion for you if you would like to, to try it out. Why don't you try being strong in the Lord? And in the power of now he tells a command, this is what you need to do. Right? He says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Then he goes and says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So here's Paul preaching victory too. He says, Put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand, not collapse, when the devil attacks you. Now this listen, I'm gonna tell you, even in my case, I get some stuff start happening. All that pity party start coming on. Man. Why? I hate this, man. Not again. And here, not out of my mouth. Right? And so then I have to, but I know what I have to do. I have to connect. I have to handle this the proper way. I have to start speaking the word of God over my circumstances. I'm so tired of doing this. I just wish the problems would stop. God, 20-something years of pushing against all this stuff, can we stop this? Then I have to muster up strength and say, you know what? I guess not. we got to keep rolling. So then I have to start, I have to choose. Now, I could go down a negative road and come in here and tell all y'all, listen, I've had enough of this whole pastor and stuff. There's all these problems trying to uh, get this church revitalized. And they said, I'm leaving. I could come in here and do that. My feet hurt. I wouldn't be lying either. <laughs> my feet hurt all this other stuff going on and I'm working 16, 18 hours a day good lord you know I, I could come here and do all kind of complaining but, but or I could just say God you know because my thing is not for y'all I don't do this for y'all I do this because God told me to do this so un, as unto God so I can't tell God none of that he ain't trying to hear it God can tell me, look, any situation you got going on down there, I'm well aware of it. <laughs> and and, I, and, and I'm, how many of you would like God for, to share his problems with you? God said, look, you think you got situ, situations in, in our project over here? Walk with me, son. <laughs> Let me unload some of my stuff on you. Man, God, start unloading stuff, you pass out. <laughs> right? Everybody got problems. Everybody got issues. You're not special. Amen. But he tells us how to handle them. He says to put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against your problems. Verse 12, now he breaks it down this way. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is not just a sense realm issue. Right? Sense realm is your five senses, what you can taste, touch, hear. This is not a sense realm issue. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. There's a spiritual battle going on. Right? When you, when you are trying to take ground, when you're trying to live a godly life, the devil does not want, he wants to disqualify you. He wants to get you to turn on God, 
right? And he wants to get you to abandon your faith. He don't want to see you live victoriously. He don't want to see you win at nothing. He just wants to laugh in God's face and say, oh, there's another one turned away from you, sir. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, so that you can pass out and whine and cry about how tough it is. See, people, this is, this is the thing, man. Oh, we're going to flip this around. Come in the coming months, we're fixing to turn this thing around and tell you what preaching the gospel is all about. We're going to talk about preaching the gospel. Big part of the gospel message has been, the, the main part of the gospel message has been left out. Yeah, come on, come on. Right? So, we think that what we do is, when we come to the altar and whatever's going on, we get that breakthrough. <sighs> I'm ready to follow God. So, what I'm going to do now, after I follow God, is hide out in church. Never to face the prayers of life again. I'm going to be a good church member. We're around all the nice people in church. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Don't buy that. Church ain't full of nice people. There's some grimy people in church, some of them, right? Talk about you. That's what church hurt come from. Church hurt come from church hate. Did you hear what I said? Church hurt comes from church hate. There's haters in church, right? But everybody's welcome here. Haters included. Right? <laughs> We just have to get ourselves in. Get, we, there ain't nobody perfect in church. We're all working on ourselves. So if you bump into somebody who do you wrong, don't say, oh, the church people fake. Now they're trying to get themselves together too. And so before you start talking about how fake they are, let's examine you and your lifestyle. Ain't none of us in here perfect. But I tell you what, as soon as somebody get going for God, you want you to got you a couple of chapters underneath your belt. You learn how to say amen, lift up, you know, when to stand, when to say amen. You start learning how to church talk, church talk a little bit. All of a sudden, you way up here spiritually, and these other people, they need to get it together. <laughs> Only thing you did is learn how to be a church person in front of folks. But see, you got to be a kingdom person when ain't nobody looking. That's what God looking for because look, I, I just God thank God He ain't like that. But you know, you just out there acting with all this fraudulent behavior better than everybody else. If I'm God, I'm just like, mm. but thank God I'm not God, right? I haven't been in church twenty some years. I haven't seen it. Look, I've seen people squabble at I was at Mike Murdoch uh, place. and they was at the book table. Mike Murdoch is a great teacher on principles. He, he's the best. Shut it down, ain't nobody better. On principles. Mike Murdoch, you're talking about bullet points to do this, to do that. Shut it down. Mike Murdoch is the best that ever done it. He's the Michael Jordan of principles. And man, so Mike, Mike Murdoch was at, they were at the table, and they, they, they released everybody to come out of the room. It was about 500 or so of us. They at the table pushing each other, trying to get the books. I'm not lying to you. No, I was here first. I say, you know what, y'all can have that. Because that's the way we do. We, we don't get it. We don't get it. We don't, we don't 100% get the love thing. Listen, just because you go to church, that don't mean you got it. You, you ain't finished. Church hurt come from church hate. 
When you come in here and you ain't getting your, you're not acting godly and you always got something bad to say about somebody, as soon as somebody turns their head, you're like, well, look, let me tell you about such and such. They ain't about much. I'm not trying to gossip. Don't, don't, I'm not gossiping. <laughs> but they ain't, they ain't really much. They're not really much. And I tell you what, their kids and the, the way they treat their wife, the way they treat their husband, oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, people give you a full of it like that. Once you get comfortable, which, let me tell you something, you get in church, you find folks like that, Look, they they just ain't finished yet. We're not gonna hate on them. But they just ain't they ain't ripe yet. But all that stuff. See what happens is that's why people don't want to come to church because we want to hide it from everybody. Boy, tell the truth. No, you can't hide it. Look, uh, uh, is the camera on up there? Is the camera? It's not on. Okay, I'm gonna pretend like it is. So listen, in church. You got some preachers that don't act right. You got preachers that run off with folks' wives. You got preachers that run off with folks' husbands. Believe that. You got preachers run off with folks' money. Right? You got church people that do all of these other things too. You got church people sleeping with each other's spouses. All that stupid stuff happening in church. But that's not the large percentage. Most of us in here trying to live right, trying to get closer to God, we're not perfect. So now you talk about all this hypocrite situation, let's deal with you. You're a bigger hypocrite than any of us because at least we're in here trying to get healed. But you out there just pointing the finger and you messed up and if you don't hurry up and get yourself together, you're going to catch fire and burn and burn and burn. There you have it. Amen? Amen. But you can't be covering for people and you have to look the first person you can't cover for the most, you can't cover for yourself. You can't be making excuses that you're not getting better. You can't be making excuses that you're still bitter. You can't be making excuses about that. You need to, you need to live like God wants you to live. It's practice. It's effort. It's, it's hard to be a Christian. That's right. That's right. That's why I don't ever worry about what people say about church people. Man, listen, you, it's, listen, you, you easy. When stuff get hard for you, you go to your painkiller. Right? You go to your painkiller. If that's drugs, you go do that. Right? If that's alcohol, you go do that. If that's sex, you go do that. Whatever your painkiller is, you go do that. We can't do it. We have to go to the Lord whom we cannot see and have conversations with a person that we can't see and and really don't just do a whole bunch of quick talking back. (laughs) That's what prayer is like. Hey, Lord, listen, I got this problem over here. I need some help with it. Are you there? <laughs> Five or six days talking to somebody who ain't saying nothing back. Hey, I just need a sign. Can you help? And then Lord might it might take the Lord three or four days to show up. Right? So 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 look, drugs is quick right now. I can thirty, you know, a few seconds, I can get this thing popping. I got relief only for a few minutes. But the problem's still gonna be there. Sure when you when you come down, guess what? Problems still be looking in your face. Hey, I've been waiting on you. You're back. You ever seen that commercial they got on TV? It's oh, it's, it's hideous, but it's, it sticks. The commercial about the dandruff. When the dude goes sit down and go and eat, y'all say who's seen that commercial? Yeah. Right? The dude goes and sits down and eat, and then this guy sits next to him in a white suit, and uh, and he says. Yeah, what, what's the guy's name? What's he called? Carl. He got an irritating voice. Carl, 
Why didn't you invite me? Right? Dandruff like shows up everywhere he goes. So then uh, the dude's in the shower washing his hair and uh, with some dandruff shampoo. And he, the, the, the dude opens up the thing. Carl, how could you? <laughs> All right? So it's like that. Like it's like when you when you finish with whatever painkiller that you own, your problem, Carl, it's still right there. It's only one way to deal with it is to get to the root of it. Yeah. And Jesus is the only one that can get to the root of it. Amen. It takes effort. It's not easy to be a Christian. It's not. That's why, I, hey, listen, I, we're stronger than them. Some people will say, well, hey, you know, they think they're cool because they're not a Christian and they act stupid. You're not cool. You're stupid. My life is way ten times harder than yours, buddy. Because it ain't that I look, I'm, I'm 48. I can go and buy alcohol. Listen, I'm from the hood. I can go buy drugs. Right? I can do it. Listen, I, there's a lot of places I can go and get into and all this type of stuff. I'm old enough to do it. I just can't do it because I made a commitment. Amen. And he's teaching me a new way. Amen. Amen, right? Amen. So, so we have to cut it off at the root. Listen, we're not weak. No. We're stronger than them. Because we're resisting something that is difficult. That's right. We're stronger than them. Listen, to, if I just give in to whatever I want to do, that don't make me strong, that don't make me cool, that don't make me a man. Don't ever let nobody put pressure on you like that when you get, when you go to family uh, uh, functions and they in there and, and, and you holding your stance and they, you used to drink with them or you used to do whatever with them, you used to cuss with them and you don't do it, then they over there, listen, a person, I said, I heard a guy the other day, he was just, for no reason, I was in the uh, O'Reilly's Auto Parts, he's standing behind me, it's a grown man, gotta be in his 40s, F, 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 F. I'm like, what's, what's happening so bad in that aisle? Ain't nothing happening that bad in that aisle. But he has no other vocabulary. So what you're showing me is your intelligence level is real low. Come on, somebody. Real low. When all you can do is cuss and you can't can't phrase up stuff no other way, your intelligence level is real low. It's not that you're strong. It's not that they're, they're the baddest. They're the stupidest. And I can say that because I was one of them. We the strong ones, man. We say no, no, nah, man, no, nah, man. And you be honest, no, nah, I used to do that, bro. Ooh, it's tough getting away from it, but I can't do that no more. You don't have to say, you know what, I'm a Christian and we don't do those things. <laughs> and you really shouldn't either, right? That behavior is not acceptable. I'm above that. You lost them. Be honest, man, no. Nah. I used to do it and I enjoyed it. Can't do it no more. That's all you got to do. And what, what does that do? That makes you human. That's right. People can't follow a pattern that they think they can't achieve. Be humble and tell them, hey, no, nah, man, that was me. You know, tell your story. I used to be stuck with that. I don't, God took it away from me, man. I'm still, hey, I ain't 100%, but I'm, I'm, on, I'm on my way out of there. Amen. Some people, that's, that's, that's why they don't want to come to church. They think, because they, listen, they know you ain't what you say you are. They just feel like you're a liar. Just tell them I ain't all that. I'm, I tell you about me. I'm not all that. I'm not perfect, right? But I'm gonna tell you what. I'm I'm fighting like Rocky Balboa to be perfect. Yeah, amen. I'm giving it everything I, I have. Amen. Let me finish up. 
Okay, so uh, we read the Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, verse 13 again. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand. Right? Go on and stand, therefore. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. We're going to go through 5, and that's going to be it for this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 5. Right, so saying that this is not a natural thing. We have to understand there are spiritual forces that we are battling with. Right, verse 1. It says this. It says, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you in the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, who in the presence of am uh, base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you, that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of, of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Verse 3, for though I walk after the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. He's saying though we are human beings and we walk in the flesh, or we don't battle against uh, in the flesh. We just read, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Here he comes again. He says, though I walk in the flesh, I'm a human being, I don't war after the flesh. Watch what he goes on after this. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Carnal is meat, it's flesh. He says, our weapons are not carnal. Even though we live in the flesh, flesh we don't use carnal or fleshly weapons. You remember when uh, Peter reached in there and Peter cut the dude's ear off with the knife? He says, no, we don't do that. We, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. He understood it was a spiritual battle that they were facing. He was like, you know, you could cut everybody else, but this thing is, you're not going to solve the problem because it's a spiritual thing that I got to go through. Amen? So then he goes on, verse 5. He says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Read it again, verse uh, verse 5. Casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. So he says he cast down imaginations. Why would you need to cast down imaginations? This is what this is where the majority of the, of the battle is. It's in your mind, right? So it's in, here in your mind. You're dealing with situations and dealing with circumstances. The the threat that you're not going to be healed is coming in your imagination first. That's why, that's why you, you're making all your decisions for The threat that you can't be delivered from this is in your, your mental, right? Everything that you're facing that you're afraid of that's going to happen physically is in your mental. It's in your mind. That's where your war is happening at. So he says this. He says, whenever things come against you that tells you that God's not going to deliver you or you cannot do what God says you can do, he said, cast it down, cast it down. That means, how do I cast it down? That means I speak contrary to the thing that's telling me it's going to destroy me. That if somebody said I'm going to die of this thing, I shall live and not die and see the salvation of the Lord. If I'm, if I'm wrestling a battle of sickness, by his stripes I am healed. Amen? By his stripes I'm healed. So I'm speak contrary to the thing that's trying to take me down in my mental. He says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So he says, I cast down imagination and every high thing and I bring 
into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Did you hear? Take a second. Read that. Read the scripture for yourself. Take a second and read it for yourself. I'm casting down imaginations and every high thing, everything that I feel threatened by that's on an elevated level that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So when my problems or a, a, a stronghold approaches me and I'm dealing with it in my, my mental, it comes into my mind, right? This negative thought, whatever it is that I can't overcome this, and uh, it, it, it elevates itself higher than the knowledge of God. Nothing is higher than the knowledge of God. When problems tell you that you can't overcome this, it's saying I'm greater than God. There was one guy who said that, and what happened to him? We know his story he got put out. Because there's nothing. Jesus is the name above every name. Right? Now the only time, listen, watch this. There's only one time when Jesus ain't the name above every name. When you make him not the name above every name. When you put the other names on top of Jesus, then to you, he's not the name above every name. See, everything that we get from God is by faith. I have to believe that Jesus is bigger than this problem. I have to believe that. Because where, where is it happening? It's all happening in my mind. It's happening in my mental. That's where it starts. Now, I'm not warring with my mind. It's not the power of... Mm. I'm going to move the car with my brain. That's not what we're talking about. The attack starts in the head, and it must be met with your spirit. It must be met with the word of God. It must be met with belief that came from God's word. Yeah. Right? So he says, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing, listen, put it in the headlock, in the captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Nate, come here, Nate. I want to help with something. Okay, Nate, your hat look good. I ain't gonna mess it up. Alright? <laughs> so listen. So Nate is a problem. Nate's a situation. He's back up a little bit so I can see better. Nate's a problem. Nate's a situation. And Nate's come up and pointing at me, Nate, and threatening in a threatening way. Now you're being too nice. You gotta get, now you're smiling. Stop smiling, Nate. Heck <laughs> aggravated. Yeah. So Nate's the problem telling me that he's gonna destroy whatever is happening, right? So I'm, I'm listening to Nate. Keep, keep, keep being the problem. I'm listening to Nate. Nate's pointing at me. He's upset. He's telling me, threatening me. They're going to turn the lights off. You're going to die of sickness. You know, all this stuff's going to happen. Nothing good for you. You ain't worth nothing. Keep pointing, Nate. He's just laying it on me. All of the stuff, right? So, man, I'm, I'm hurt. Now, guess what? I'm, I'm crying. Now, now, really, you can't see Nate. Because it's a spiritual problem. So, Nate's telling me all these things. And I'm, I'm cracking under the pressure. Because, guess what? I'm making Nate higher than Jesus. Right, Nate at the time was higher than Jesus. So then, listen, when I, I go back to my word, I remember the scripture. Deliverance is nigh me, even in my own mouth. Right? So, I, listen, I just start firing back at Nate. So I start coming, if it's a financial problem, the Lord takes pleasure. Takes pleasure, Psalm 35, 27. The Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Right? You would that I would prosper and be in health, even as my soul prospered. Right, you became poor that I might become rich. 
So the word is being exalted higher than Nate, right? Of his sickness. By his stripes, I was healed. He sent his word and he healed them. He's not a respecter of persons. What he did for one, he'll do it for me. So I'm pumping myself up with the scriptures. And so at a certain point, I get so high, guess what happens? I get Nate in the headlock. Right? So the thing that was challenging me at first, what's that last part of that scripture say? Bringing it into what? Oh yeah, I got him. You was threatening me at first, and it looked like I was going under. Threaten me again. But now, the word, I've elevated Jesus higher than the problem, and I got the problem in the headlock now. Amen. 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 Thank you, Nate. That's the way it works. Bringing into captivity every thought. And what does he say you're bringing into captivity first? Before I conquer the problem, I got to conquer the thought. Right? Because the thought, what is the thought? Thought is an expression of, uh, uh, of an idea, right? It's an idea. You use words. So I attack the thoughts with words. I come back with the word of God. You bringing me your thoughts, I'm going to take word thoughts, and I'm going to attack you back with it. I'm going to tell you what God say. I'm going to give Jesus his rightful place and put him above, above what you say. Jesus is going to get his place. Right? And so I'm going to win this thing. But as long as you give the problem a greater ground or greater thought than Jesus, then you're not going to be able to overcome it. I have to make a decision. Then I'm going to fight back against this. And remember what he said. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but not mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Right? So I'm casting down imaginations. I'm taking my thoughts captive. You don't listen, you ever heard the term, you can't stop the bird from flying over your head, but you can't stop it from nesting in your head. Thoughts gonna come, but I got to deal with my thoughts. You can't just give in to the thought. When the thought come in, listen, thoughts will tell you, they got so many thoughts going around, they tell you to do anything. Let me ask you a question. If a thought come in your head, tell you go rob the bank. Right? You ain't gonna do that. You gonna say, oh no, you gonna tell your thought, no, it's bad, but it ain't that bad. Right? Right? So, uh, we have to, when you get, when you're in your car and you're running late, you're only gonna speed so far over the speed limit. Right? Right? Your mind telling you, we get this thing up to 85. We get there. Right? The speed limit is like 55. We get it up to 85, we'll get there quicker. But your mind tell you, oh, we'll keep it about 70, 72. Right? So you, you're resisting stuff all the time. You're always resisting stuff. There's a, there's a movie, uh, came out, Mel Gibson, some time back. And I think Mel Gibson could, he could read women's minds. What a woman wants. Never saw the movie, just saw the concept, right? Saw the trailer. So Mel Gibson read these women's minds, so whatever was on the woman's mind, but people understand something, I ain't seen the movie. But I guarantee you, whatever the people was thinking, they wasn't saying and they wasn't doing it. Right? So there is some ability to exercise some control. So if I can resist the thought to rob the bank, I do have the ability to resist thoughts. I can tell the devil, no, that I'm not going to go down that road with my imagination. Right? Because your imagination, your imagine, you can, you can get two things from your imagination. You can get pleasure and hope, or you can get discouraged and weakness. Because your imagination, that's what's happening. It's telling you it's going down the tubes. We ain't going to make it. 
Oh, this is it. It's all over with. Your imagination, and notice how it just gets to, your imagination use adjectives better than anybody. Just start painting the picture. How terrible it's going to be that we're going to lose the house. We're going to be in the streets. We're going to be homeless. And then, you know, your imagination start bringing them pictures back when you're seeing that homeless dude pushing that trash can. That's going to be us. You know what I'm saying? That's going to be, you know, I'm telling you. Your imagination start pulling resources. <laughs> terrible, 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 terrible. They start bringing you images of people that, the people in the mother country that ain't ate, yeah. don't have no food, <laughs> and you start seeing yourself like, oh my God, this is devastating. We better rob the bank. <laughs> right? Or your imagination can show you, look, we're about to lose this house, but I see a greater one down the road. Yeah, yeah, the next yeah. one we'll get will be twice as big as this one. It's going to be great. We're going to have fountains in the front yard, and they're going to be set to music going off to how great thou art. See, I can use, I can control my imagination. But it's up to you. And you know what? Your imagination is connected to your faith. When you start saying, God, this is what we want, this is what we desire, this is where we're going, your faith starts going in that direction. Right? And how do you, how do you set your desire? How do you set your faith? You read what God said. When I read and I start seeing what God did, how Elijah was in debt. He had an axe head and it dropped in the water and debt was serious back then. They didn't just call you on the phone. They put you in jail. Right? That axe head, an iron axe head went to the bottom of the water in the river. And, and he says, man, this, this axe head was, was borrowed. And Elijah went over there and did that miracle and made iron swim to the top of the water. Right? So when I read that, I'm like, all of a sudden, what happens to my imagination? Hope. If he did it for them, he can do it for them. Remember the woman who was about to die? She said, I'm about to eat this last meal, and me and my kids are going to die. And Elijah said, make me a cake first. So unusual circumstances to where hopeless outcome, hopeless situation, it looked like they was going to die. And then God came through, and the woman sitting on top with a brand new business. Yeah. Right? You remember the young brother when Paul was preaching at the church, and he fell out the window and broke his neck? And died, everybody else was like, oh, Junior fell out the door, out the window, and his neck is broken. He's dead. And Paul went down there and prayed for him. The boy got back up. He said, now this time, don't be going to sleep in the Bible study. Sit down right there, right? Anytime you see stuff, the woman, there was a woman in a funeral procession. They said it was her only son. And it said Jesus had compassion on her. And so I imagine they was all thinking about going to have the, you know how you have the funeral, you go eat the food afterwards, right? And I bet they was all imagining they were going to go get the food. Right. And so Jesus stopped the whole thing. And I bet it was one dumb brother that said, man, he done messed it up for everybody. This dude is alive again. now. We're not going to get to have a food celebration. <laughs> right. Jesus stopped it and raised him back to, to life. The, uh, Lazarus's sister. What did she say? She said, if Jesus had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. The Bible said his brother been dead for four days and now he's stinking. Yeah. Right. And the Bible says that Jesus went over there and said, Lazarus. He didn't even touch that brother. Lazarus, come forth. And he told him the dude stood up and came forth walking out of there. Like that's where they get the whole mummy concept from. And they unwrapped this brother, and the brother was alive again. Yeah. After he was dead. I'm, see, some of y'all getting there. I'm messing with your imagination right now. I'm taking your faith up by telling you these stories right now. Right now. Right now, that's what's happening to you. All the time, whenever you read in the Bible, these different things that are happening, that's what it does. It's, it helps your imagination to latch on to God's word and the possibilities of what can happen. But when you don't read them, you're left to earthly and worldly thoughts that'll tell you that you ain't going to make it. You have to spend time around God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. 
It's not based on what happened to somebody else. It's not based on that. It's based on what you can believe God that he promised to do for you. That's what it's about. You don't have to live. I don't listen. I'm not. I don't care what other people decide they're going to do. You're not going to you're not going to trash my dream because you don't want to be a part of it. You're not going to trash my vision because you don't want to be a part of it. Because you know what? You didn't give me my dream. You didn't give me my vision. God gave it to me. Right? So if you didn't give it to me, you can't take it from me. You don't feed my dream. You don't feed my vision. God feeds my dream and God feeds my vision. If you live and you let people, every time you somebody else don't go along with something that you feel like God wants you to do, you're going to quit that, you're going to quit that and quit that just because you don't, people, you don't have people on board with you. People got their own stuff that they're doing. I don't mean they're hating on you. They got their own stuff they're doing. You got to trust God with what you're doing. God has to be your number one source. Your number one source. Amen? Amen. That's enough for today. Forgot my microphone. <laughs>